0: Welcome to a really extra delicious episode of The Grass Is Greener on, with Paul Green. My guest today is an American actor. He's uh, been in Transformers Friday the 13th and is currently on this third season of You on Netflix. Started and accepted. He's a fabulous individual. Somebody went to acting class a while back. When you search for Travis Van Winkle, it says, Is Travis Van Winkle uh, related to Vanilla Ice? <laughs> Travis is from in, from California, and uh, he came out early. Uh, not, not came out. He's a straight man. But he, his television debut came out in 2004 in the Fox sitcom Quintuplets. And then he's been in That So Raven, Malcolm in the Middle, The O.C., Seventh Heaven, and Meet the Spartans and Michael Bay's Transformers and he also we get into this a little bit he worked with Bruce Weber for Abercrombie and Fitch when he used to model and uh, we get into all of that in the episode here and we go deep we go into a lot of situations that he's never shared before some are very vulnerable so please be generous and non-judgmental in your listening here um, as we get into the weeds of some really delicate and um, vulnerable things and uh, we talk about his foundation build on and it's not his but he's been a part of for you know almost a decade Uh, he's a really special human really fun and connected and a very talented actor so I'm excited to bring this episode to you here please stick around to the end uh, and if you get a chance, if you could subscribe and uh, review this for me there on Apple iTunes, that makes a huge, huge difference. Uh, my sponsors are a few companies that I work with: Bite Smile. There's an affiliate link in the description. If you have your teeth crowd as you get older, so I've found this very helpful. I'm currently using it right now. Somavetic, which is a EMF and Wi-Fi mitigating device that makes your home feel like... You're camping. It it really tunes your the whole system and really helps with um, all the frequencies, but also these rivers that rub underneath uh, your house that could be miles deep that could be affecting your sleep and your health. We have three in our home and we've noticed a big difference. I have a newborn, and we're sleeping incredible nights. We have to wake him up to feed him in the middle of the night, so. Uh, A lot of people report these Somovetic, and you can get a link uh, as well here in the description with my code. And of course, Thrive Market, there'll be a link for them there as well. But I just really appreciate you being here and uh, being a part of this, uh, this, being one of my subscribers and being a part of this community. So uh, stay tuned here as we welcome Travis Van Winkle, and we'll catch you on the other side. Wait, where the heck are you? I'm
1: I'm in my kitchen. In LA.
0: You came back. You survived the, the cold plunge?
1: I did. And I will do it again and again and again. <laughs> my only regret was that I didn't just take my time and relax in the water and make it look more graceful because it was so cold.
0: <laughs> how cold How cold was it?
1: I have no idea, but it was definitely the coldest water that I've been in.
0: Did it hurt? Like you put your head under. Usually when water's that cold... I like, I'll go up to like here and then I'll, then you can go longer. But as soon as your head goes under your body's like, I'm dying.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was,
1: <laughs> it was next level cold, but it's one of those things that's so energizing and revitalizing. And I just felt, I felt high afterwards mm. for like a good yeah. two hours. I was, I was feeling real good. So I would, I would do it again every day. I think if you do that every day, there's probably some health benefits to it.
0: Yeah, we do that in Arrowhead. You got to come up once the snow, once it gets really cold up there, because we go in and it's probably, see, that's glacier water where where Lake Arrowhead's like snow runoff, but that's very different. Like Lake was that Lake Louise? That was Banff. Okay. Lake Louise.
1: Yeah, Lake Louise, Bam. glacier water. That water's so blue, so pretty. And um, hello. Hey, brother. Long time no see.
0: Hello, Mr. Van Winkle. Are, are you uh, playing with Karen down there?
1: No, playing with my foot actually. I feel like I haven't cut my toenails in like three months, and they're they're like this long and so they're just fascinating to me at this point.
0: Mm. I'm glad that we can't see yeah, that. That's, uh, that.
1: You don't see that.
0: <clears throat> is that is that a water purifier behind you there? That metal thing?
1: It's uh, yeah, basically just a little uh, water filter. Uh-huh. Because I'm not, I don't own this place. I didn't want to like install. A nice fancy one here but if you own the right. place, it's better just to install one
0: like a home house a whole house so that when you're showering you're not getting all the the chemical bath of of the of the city do
1: you guys have that in your place
0: we have different like filters on different shower heads not a whole because we're renting here at the beach too but we did we do get water delivered from this spring called live water oh
1: cool i thought wait, i thought you guys um, bought your place i thought you guys
0: in arrowhead yeah in arrowhead we have a built-in filter to the to the kitchen but not the showers in arrowhead um the, the water's pretty good there but you'd be surprised even because it's a city they put like 75 chemicals in even in arrowhead yeah you, like, you
1: like, kind of have to right i was thinking i couldn't drink the water like louise even though that water's pure pure it's I, I feel like you still can't just take a sip without getting some kind of bacteria right
0: or like beaver fever or something, but I think I think that water you would survive. But like rivers, if there's like a dead animal upstream or something, I don't know. Your character from you would know more about this, uh, how to survive. And the we watched that. Kate and I watched like the the chunks that you were in and you, and just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that must have been so fun.
2: It was pretty fucking wild.
0: That must have. I was scared when you fell down the the ravine and I saw your like your body like this. I was like. Because you know, I've I've watched season one of you. I skipped season two, and then I kind of just picked up the parts in season three to catch where you were, and so I, so I would have so I could tell you that I've seen you and you, it's, you and you.
1: Well, I'm glad that you saw me in you.
0: Um, you did you did so good, dude. It was so you were so like present and like th- it was just so you in you, and also I was just so I was so proud of how freaking stacked you're you were geez louise
1: by the way already lost so much of it it's hard to keep that up because you have to eat six meals a day you have to work out religiously it's really hard and if you just want to have your normal life it's hard you know i was working in winnipeg and doing 14 hour days and so then by the time you get yeah. done with that you don't want to work out and then i went to banff i'm not working out in banff i'm in freaking banff and so i'm right. just watching right. myself
0: just just like shrink wrap down you gotta you gotta do you follow follow the Liver king on instagram that dude no oh my gosh okay it's terrifying because he looks like he kind of looks like steroids but he eats like he's kind of like your character actually a new uh but the extreme version like he's eating testicles of animals like uh bulls but but he's he has a supplement of liver that's like denatured liver and it's grass-fed liver and i get it delivered to me and i've been taking almost for three or four weeks and i've really noticed um it's called ancient formulas or something but it's it's, it's liver it's organ meat um but you're you when we're done this check out liver king it's kind of terrifying but it's also it's kind of in, insane to watch because he kind of reminds me of you but he's i mean he's you at 290 pounds or something i got up, like, to,
1: I got up to one 90 was like my filming weight and that, I i sit, usually sit like around 176 178 so definitely was a little i packed on some pounds um all first of all thank you i'm so glad that you took the time to watch and that yeah that you have such nice things to say i had so much fun playing that character because there's so many I there's so many aspects of me in that guy you know like i'm the center uh, and i just got to I get to really, I think, be incredibly heightened versions of myself. And that's yeah. fun to play. Because I'm, I'm oh. naturally, if I'm passionate about something, I've got a ton of enthusiasm. And I, I love that about myself. But with this guy, it's it's to the next level, to the point where yeah. it's almost toxic to be around. <laughs> um, but it was so fun, well, is fun it, to play. It was an
0: interesting power shift because you usually see that that main character being the guy who's even though he's smaller being in like outsmarting everyone and being like scared of him. And in those scenes, I was like, I was, I was scared of him, but I was scared for him because of you. And then with that hug you did with him, you could feel all the past like things he had been through in that moment he finally in being accepted by a man like it was there's a lot to that moment that was in your eyes too when the close up was on you and then also on him it was awesome dude it's really cool well, people don't know this but travis and i met uh first in sandy marshall's class right was that that was the first time right yeah and I used to love doing repetition. There's this exercise we do where you 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 get to work with somebody on stage as a warm up where you see something in them and you say it and then they have to kind of repeat it and you keep repeating it until it shifts. And Travis, your scenes in that class and the times I'd get to do live with you, it was like I, I knew you were headed for really great things because you're so spontaneous and, and that, that class, you know, Johan was in that class with us. And, um, that's, that's the first time that, that you and I met. And I, and I just, I loved working with you back then.
1: I I appreciate that. I I totally agree. I remember you and Johan were these guys that seemed like you were like angels sent down from another planet. Like you'd go up on stage and you had this glow to you and you had your, your like, um, satchels that you guys would wear and you would use words like vast, uh, in, in your, uh, in your exercise. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I I, always appreciated watching you guys because I thought the same thing. I thought that you guys yeah. were always free and had so much fun and you were fearless. That class was a lot about being fearless. So you go up there and you just honor what the hell is actually going on. And yeah. there's so many ticks that get um, revealed to you. And one of mine was whenever anger came up, I didn't know how to deal with anger. And what I would do is I'd scratch my hair and I'd scratch my head over and over. And Sandy's like, why are you scratching your head? Just be fucking mad at the guy. Yeah. And so I, yeah. I had to actually ask myself that question. It's like, well, why Why am I scratching my head right now because I'm angry? It's because the emotions were so uncomfortable. I, I literally, the only way I could quell myself was to like scratch my, uh, my head. So it's just like these weird tics that we have that you don't know sure. you have, and you only find out that you have them when you're put in a situation that's high pressure and is in front of people. Yeah. So, I loved that class for yeah. not only because there was so much talent in that class,
0: so much, so much talent. I mean,
1: I I remember the first couple of times I went and watched that class. It, by the way, it's a cold reading class. You get these, you get the scene the moment you arrive to class, and you have to put it up. I remember the first few classes. I thought, why aren't these being filmed? Like, these are scenes that I want to, I I see these scenes and these are better than what I watch in the movies. And it was something (laughs) that that really inspired me to stick out. And and I think I did three or four years straight of that class. And I was going twice a week because I loved it so much.
0: Twice a week. Wow. I mean, it takes, people don't know this about acting, but it's like going to the gym. I know there's, there's the occasional actor you hear that they're like, never do class or whatever, but I don't buy that. It's like, you want to act as much as you can possibly act whether that's writing your own stuff or playing in your friend's play or like doing that Shakespeare thing you did. I want to talk about that by the way, about you going to London and and then that thing you did in New York too. And um but yeah like for me I have to go I have to say going to the gym. You it's a muscle you train and and you get to how well can you listen to the other actor and then and then work with that and like have you always like been into acting classes because or yeah. For
1: me I feel like and this is, I don't care if I sound cheesy here, but it's, it's it's a soul class. I feel like it's like you said, you, you go and train your muscles in the gym. I feel like you go and train your heart and your soul in these classes and you're expressing all sorts of different emotions that are on this page. That's this particular person's journey, but you then get to explore that inside yourself. And so it's almost just like you're, you're this accordion and you're just like really playing all the music inside of yourself and you yeah. do that every night on stage and you don't know what it's going to be when you get to class. Cause the, the, the scene is assigned to you in this particular class we're talking about Sandy Marshall. So the scenes assigned to you in some crazy way, there's always synchronicity. There was always something that was, that Sandy would give me that I related to in my life at that particular time that I wanted to flesh out. And it would, there was always this connective tissue that was fascinating to me. And I would always be nervous as, as hell driving to class Like do I have to to pee? Do I have to poop? I I probably have to go. Like it's just your body knows it's about (laughs) to go into some kind of war, and you're about to be basically seen on a micro on a lens on a microscope in front of all these people, and so this is and also you know you're about to have a ton of fun, and you have to be in the moment in that class, and so there was this just this like budding excitement that was happening, and it's like you don't know if it's it's nerves, if it's excitement, if it's fear. It's all yeah. of it. And then you get up on stage, you yeah. just like let it out. And then when, when I would leave class, I would feel so refreshed. Like my my soul would feel refreshed.
0: And so Yeah, like a cold plunge.
1: 100%. <laughs> and so, I, that's, so class for me has always been, there's there's a multitude of reasons I, I really in, in, have enjoyed class. I mean, training ground, yes. You need to to experience and take action and actually act. You can't just read about it. You have to do it. And so for me when I wasn't on set I wanted to be in class. I wanted to be stretching myself. Number uh, number 2 you get to meet people. And you get to actually watch and learn from other people's talent and you get to see what they bring to the table and it it helps you build yourself and your own craft. And and then it's I think the third thing is it was oh, acting has always been something that has brought this this like this energy to me where I love it and I hate it at the same time, but it wakes me up. And so there's always this thing of like, I got to get back in that cage. It's almost like fighters. It's like, I'm sure they're like, it's okay. Here's here's an analogy I would do triathlons. I would do triathlons, and triathlons are fucking hard. By the time you, so when the race starts, you jump in the water and you're swimming against 200 people. They're all punching you in the head. You're swimming like a half mile or a mile. You're drowning in the water, but you're, you have to get out, get on your bike. You ride your bike for 18, 26 miles, whatever miles. You're then sprinting. You get off your bike and you run four miles, literally to the sprint. By the time you're done, you've redlined for an hour and a half, and it's miserable for most of that race. And as soon as it ends, you're like, there's no way I'll ever do that again, ever in my life. That was amazing. I'm done. I did really well. Never doing that again. 20 minutes goes by. And you're like, okay, sign me up for the next one. So there's oh, really? something in me that likes yeah. this, this deep dive into this pit of the unknown that brings up all these emotions. And, and uh, as much as I, I sometimes hate it, I love it. And so yeah. it's like interesting push-pull that I've had with, with acting for all these years.
0: Yeah. How was your How was your childhood like? Do you have a lot of stuff that you have to work through, and that acting helps? Like your mom and dad? Like how was your How was your life growing up? You have a couple siblings, and you're from California, right?
1: I was born in California, lived in Michigan for a little while, Uh, and then I would say mainly I grew up in Georgia. My parents were in the Air Force, so they they met both 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 of them. Yep, they both uh, they met in the Air Force in Virginia. Then they they got transferred to California. My sister and I were born. So my brother was born in Virginia. They got transferred to California to Victorville. My sister and I were born there. Transferred to Michigan. My mom got out of the military. And my dad stayed in, um, and so we lived in Michigan for about six or seven years. And then he got out of the military completely, and he worked uh, moved to Georgia to work for Delta. So I've kind of bounced. I bounced around.
0: You worked for Delta. You moved to Georgia to work for Delta. My so dad did.
1: Yeah. So Atlanta.
0: Your dad. Oh, your dad. Atlanta is a Delta hub. Right.
1: Yeah. So everyone, all of my friends that I grew up with, all of their parents worked for Delta. And so we all had these little blue cards, and we could just show up to the airport and fly for free anywhere.
0: Would you get upgraded sometimes too?
1: Yes, a lot. Yes. Especially, That's amazing. Especially when you'd fly internationally. And so I did not grow up a wealthy kid. I did not grow up in a big home with you know really nice things and expensive clothes and a really amazing car. At the age of sixteen. I didn't have uh, a lot of the the uh, the riches that some of my friends had in the town that I grew up in, but I flew for free, and that that's the thing that I had.
0: That's amazing. So you could travel like a ton. Yep.
1: Yep. And I, did you
0: did you travel a ton before you came to LA? Yeah,
1: I got to bounce around quite a bit. I got wow. really lucky with that. And so I I think that I've always been somewhat of a wanderlust, and it's because potentially I, I had access to become one um, mm. as a kid but family wise I had a, a really healthy upbringing I mean I come from a very traditional um, family you know my, my, my dad has his own things that he's gone through and works through his own emotions it doesn't always express himself well and can like hold things and get really quiet and doesn't express his emotions in a way that's you know, I think this in this new age that we're in, men are, are speaking about their emotions and their their experience differently. Uh, my mom was they're both very young, and my mom was someone that was trying to find her purpose and figure out who she was and and you know, didn't know how to fully communicate her inner world. And so my parents had their own friction and didn't really know really how to communicate through it. And so as kids, you download that. You learn love through the love that you're shown and the love that you're given. And so I think as in any, you know, uh, uh, dynamic when it comes to the, the parent and the child, you're always going to have to unlearn stuff. You're always going to have to to advance the, the last generation and like keep moving, pushing the needle forward. And so there are many things that acting classes and acting in general has allowed me to reflect that, uh, reflect on and look at and, and grow awareness in and and help me unwind and unpack. And um, yeah, I think I think. Acting as a healthy vehicle to to really get to know yourself and to explore some of these um, wounds that you may have
0: mm-hmm. and and so you're in your family is there any other actors like I know you did a little bit of modeling uh was the, modeling- was the
1: worst model ever <laughs>
0: Oh, come on. You worked with Bruce Weber, which like, I have a really insane Bruce Weber story. I mean, it's not that insane. It's just ridiculous. How did, how did, where did the Bruce Weber Abercrombie and Fitch thing happen? And was that before you, cause I love your coming to LA story. And I really want people, I want oh my, my listeners so to hear. I
1: can't wait to share it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I love when when you shared that with me, like what, let's just back up to there. So you're in Michigan.
1: Uh, so in so by the way no no one in my family was in the entertainment industry. I, I didn't Nobody. Didn't have any like performers or actors or my grandfather, my mom's my mom's dad, my grandpa Tom was a musician. He could play every instrument, and he was amazing. And I really wish that I took advantage of that and had and shown an interest in that at a young age. I didn't. I was much more interested in just being annoying and tearing shit up and. Uh, my grandpa thought I was the devil. I think he literally called me the devil once. Um,
0: wait, why, was why, a
1: wild man. I'm the, the middle child. I would always cause hell. I'm always somehow, um, in the middle of whatever trouble is happening or whatever, whatever my yeah. my sister's crying. It's probably because I punched her or if my brother yeah. is mad yeah. about something, it's cause I was probably like, you know, egging him on or, or working to annoy him. I was always that is yeah, I was a little child. I was a little shithead. I was the kid that my yeah. my teacher in the seventh grade, I, I was put in a closet because i was I was um misbehaving Mis-
0: i was I was put in a box. <laughs> like no, the same idea, like in the principal's office, a refrigerator box, oh. like and they then it was when Corey Hart was big, before your time, about five years before your time. And in Canada, there was a song called the boy in the box, like new camp Fox with the boy in the box. And that became my nickname because anybody who came to the principal's office, I was in a room in a refrigerator box for like a three day. detention. So it's, it's almost as humiliating as the closet. There's more metaphors with the closet, but they're actually similar.
1: Yeah. I I would say there's probably a a lot of metaphors also being the box, but um, I, I love that we had, we share that.
0: Why were you put in the closet? (laughs)
1: I, I was just disruptive and I feel like I had a bit of a class clown in me. And was, I was yeah. always seeking some kind of attention.
0: Me too. Yeah. I
1: just wanted that attention and, and it's a, the attention that I didn't get from my dad that I wanted them to get everywhere else. And, you know, it's, and, you know, potentially there's some room in there for wanting to be an actor and, and you know, explore that. But mm. I would say mainly I was an athlete before I was an actor. What sport? Football was my sport. I wanted to be in the NFL. I played football since I was eight. And really, I was really good. I felt like I was always smaller and not as fast as everybody, but I was. I had hands that I, I would never miss a ball, never. And
0: were you a wide, wide, right, wide receiver yeah, or running back? Yeah,
1: I was a wide receiver.
2: Wow.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: and so f- I, I did pretty well. Um, for most, I, I played football until my after my I played. I was redshirted my freshman year of college, but I played in college, and the level of athleticism. Takes a big jump up, even in a Division Two school where I went. I went to West Georgia. The speed of the game, the size of the game, that it's it, it it dramatically changed, and I quickly. Yeah. My body has this mechanism. I don't, and you probably relate to this. I don't know what it is, but it has always protected me. Whenever I've done something for too long, whether that's as a you know youngster smoking too much marijuana or or drinking you know uh, alcohol in college too much and like pushing myself, whatever it is, my body it protects me and it goes, eh. don't go any further with this. And there's never this tough, like, Oh, I have to like figure out how to get, get this out of my life and stop doing this. It's always like, Oh, cool. That's, I don't want to do that anymore. Something shuts off in me and I feel like it's a self protective mechanism that my body has had. And it had it with football. I knew playing football my freshman year, my body was like, no, this isn't the path anymore. Okay. And I just took a turn and that turn wow. uh, led me to, I, I did modeling in college. So to go back to your question,
0: uh-huh.
1: I started to, I, in high
0: school. How did somebody find you or did you want to do it?
1: So my friend, Michael Pendegrass in high school was a model and he modeled for Abercrombie and my, he, he's like this, he's still to, to this day,
0: I know. I know him. I, he's the one that told me about Vipassana. Actually, he was at my Vipassana. What?
1: Michael Pendergrass?
0: Am I? Is he not out? Was he? Not, is this a different guy?
1: He lives in Georgia.
0: Oh no so no no! I was no. In this Georgia guy, at this yeah.
1: point. So I moved to Georgia. I went to high school. I went to middle school and high school in Georgia in Peachtree City, just south of Atlanta. And he was okay. Michael Pendergrass Was this guy who's just freaking yoked.
0: Gonna show you Michael Pendergrass. Let's see if it's the same guy, because I know a Michael Pendergrass who's super jacked uh and model.
1: Is he a chiropractor right now?
0: Could be. Does he where does he where does he live?
1: I think he still lives in Atlanta.
0: Okay, this could this is this could just be a wild. How do you to grass like the grass?
1: Michael Pendergrass. Pendergrass, P-E-N-D-E-G-R-A-S-S. Is
0: this okay? hold on this it's bringing up modeling pictures of of a guy uh the hunger games film uh male model universe michael pendergrass okay is this is this the guy this might be a different guy
1: yes that's michael pendergrass
0: this is not my michael uh, pendergrass we know that we know well, two. that's hilarious okay, so he comes to you and you, he was he was modeling he was
1: modeling in high school and he modeled for Abercrombie bitch and he was all over the posters and the bags and the buses or whatever the hell And that's when Abercrombie Fitch was, it was cool in the late 90s. I mean, thank God it's not anymore because it shouldn't have been then. Um, (laughs) um, you, You see, he just had something that I wanted. And I asked him, I said, how did you do that? How did you make that happen? And he said he had an agent in Atlanta and that he could, introduced me. He's like, that's all you need. You just need to have an agent. And I I didn't know how the business worked. I didn't know it was that simple. Oh, I just have to get an agent and then I can do that. And I didn't have the most self-esteem when I was in high school. And look, I'm flawed, Paul K. Okay? I'm still working on my self-esteem, buddy. Uh, <laughs> you are but in uh in high school I I saw this guy and I thought he had everything yeah. because he was all the girls liked him he had big muscles and he was on the poster. I was like that's I kind of want that. And my mom said, no, no, you're not going to model until graduate high school first. Just focus on your studies and then, and then we'll think about it. Said, okay. So I graduated and um, then my mom gave me the approval to, to reach out to the agent. I sent a picture of me holding a football and a pot belly pig named Crazy Carl that my dad had just gotten, this little Vietnamese pot belly pig. And so I had crazy Carl and a football in my hand, and my shirt was off. I'm this little skinny seventeen-year-old. so oh, do you
0: do you have do you have that picture? I
1: I must somewhere.
0: If, please find it, because if you do, I'm going to put it right here. <laughs>
1: please, please, okay. please find, uh, it. Please I'll, find I'll, it. I'll, I'll see. Uh, I'm sure, I do. But the, the agency. Okay. So I sent it into the agency, and and then I I followed up, in about a week, and they said, "Oh yeah, you're the guy with the pig." Come on in, like we let's let's talk, and so I got an agent, and and then I took a bunch of photos, and and then from there I started doing very local things. Like I did, I was in Walmart nationwide. I think I was this this little um, store called Goodies. I was in, yeah. um, and then I got Abercrombie and Fitch in two thousand and one. It was my freshman year, my sophomore year of college.
0: Did you go meet Bruce Weber, or did they just send pictures?
1: I have no idea. I don't know
0: how you got it. I, Do you, you know, remember I, me? Did he shoot? Did he shoot it? Yes. So
1: I was I, I went to um, Savannah, Georgia. And we had this incredible photo shoot. And it was this It was really exciting. You know, was, the, these shoots were were highly produced. And, you know, you're with a bunch of other young men and women we had a lot of fun we, you know, we'd hang out and we'd party and we'd have good food. we you know, we had the photo shoot. It was very quick. It all happened pretty quickly. And I they chose some really cool pictures of me. Um, I did get asked to stay an extra three days. Mm. Um, there was only like two or three other guys that got asked that. And I was told to be weary about any extra asks that I received on that, on that job. And just to do what I was paid for and go home. And, um, I'll just leave it at that. And so I did, so I didn't stay. And I I went back, I went back to school and and some of the other guys that ended up taking some more photos, some really risky photos came out. And so I'm glad I just protected myself there, but, but yeah, that was, uh, that was, I I got to be exactly what Michael Pendergrass had. I got to have that moment for myself and just to let you know, it wasn't that fulfilling. (laughs) <laughs> like
2: right, right, like, right. It's but, gonna cool,
1: but cool it be this thing and it's it's not, it's just like a little quick moment and then it's gone.
0: I know, but it's cool that you could see something that you're that you want to create and go after it and then engineer it for yourself and like that builds confidence, man. And then like that obviously happened with acting too. So you saw What's that? How did that translate to like you going? You're there, and then you're you're like, okay, I want to act. What was the thing that made you think you know you wanted to act and then go after? I want to hear the story of you coming to California.
1: I I I love your uh, perspective on that though. Seeing something that you want and and creating the inner mechanism to get it and then calling it forward, making it happen. I like that that interaction with the world. I think that's yeah. I I think that's uh. That is a confidence builder, and that's a strength. And so, I think that's that's a better way to look at how I created that.
0: For sure. And you're on a, a big, a really uh, a hit show. You' there's you. You've obviously, whether you know it or not, you've developed a way of doing that in many areas. Whether you want the you want that body that you had in you, you you figured out a way to get it. Like it's it's a it's a really, um, it's a skill set that that's something to be really proud of. And it's actually something that it's really interesting to understand how, how you do it, because there's a lot of people watching and that will watch this over the years that is like, like, how do you see a goal and a dream that you want to create? And then how do you actually go after it? And then once you get it, like you said, there's not that much fulfillment there, but then like, how, how does this thing that you did, how does that happen inside of acting for you? Like, how do you switch what happened there?
1: Just to clarify, I do think not all of the scenarios will feel – I think that whenever there there are many scenarios in my life that I wanted something, I, I, I managed to figure out how to create that. And then I had it in my life, and it, I achieved it, and it is incredibly fulfilling. Yeah. Having that and seeing it and creating it and doing it and, and achieving it is – The the journey to get there is so much of the victory itself, but then having it, there is that moment where it's a moment and it's locked in and you get to feel it and it's, it's incredibly um, fulfilling, but that doesn't last forever. Like that's just like a quick window, you know, and then it's on to the next thing. Um, So how did I get into
0: acting? Yeah. If there's no other actors in your family and your except your grandpa's uh, an, an artist, like a musician, but what's, what's the thing in, that you saw that you're like, I want to do that. And then what's the next step you took and how did you get out to LA and then tell us that journey? I
1: don't think I ever wanted to be an actor. Really? I don't remember having that desire. I hmm. always wanted to be in the NFL. I always wanted, I, I, I loved sports. I loved every aspect of sports, I loved the the team component of it. I loved the practice makes perfect element. I loved the like enduring through pain and playing through it and showing up for yourself and your team. I loved the travel element of it. I loved the the high stakes and the pressure of the games. I loved the achievement and the victory I love sports. Sports is my lane. Um, I love competition. So all of these elements were something that I was just, I was all about it. And I never thought I want to go off and act. That was not a thought that crossed my mind. I did, however, I had that for modeling. I was like, I want to model. That'd be great. Let's do that. And then as I modeled, I realized I didn't like it. It felt, I just didn't feel like I was good at it. I felt like as a deer in headlights, I felt like it, there was like, it was in front of the camera, but it just felt, it felt vapid to me. And I felt vapid in the process of it. And that's not all models. And it's not, that's just my process through it. And I felt like I wanted to, I think maybe that's when it started to dawn on me that I wanted to do more in front of the camera that just wasn't taking still photos. And I got this opportunity to try out for a reality show called Are You Hot? And it was a show. That was being cast uh, nationwide, and it, I'm sure it's it's absolutely an atrocity to humanity that the show was even made. But this is when, this is when <laughs> reality shows were just starting to come on the scene. This is this is the very early 2000s. So yeah. nowadays, there's a reality show for everything. There wasn't then, um, and so all these ideas. It's almost like the .dot com when the .dot com uh, era happened. It was like a million dot coms were popping out, and some of them made it. Some of them didn't reality shows were starting to come on the scene and ideas were being thrown up just to see what would stick. And one was thrown out called, are you hot and Lorenzo Lamas, Rachel, someone and some other stylist, they basically would judge you. You get on a stage and they would actually pick you apart. They would judge your body. They would judge your face. They would judge your hair. They would judge just how you showed up as a person and they would rate you. Whether you are hot or not, and there was this this scale of hotness, and it's I mean it's uh, it's actually a sign of, of humanity and some of our lower nature, Edston, and how we're I think we're um, a lot of times we follow what we see visually, and we've it's it's all surface, and a lot of a lot of us have been victim to to that. I know that I have in my life, um, and so I think I was I, I. <laughs> I put on a – this was the first time I put on a character. I decided to audition for this. My agents called me. And they said, we have an audition for you. It's called the You Hot Show. And I, I thought, this is a stupid idea. Let's do it. And so I <laughs> borrowed my friend's pants. He had a really nice pair of jeans. I borrowed his leather jacket because I didn't have any like, fancy clothes. Hey, Karen. Did you hear her?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's Karen doing? Karen. I love that she's Karen. called Karen. Why is she called Karen? Can you,
1: you want to have a call?
0: Car- Hello, Karen.
1: Um, um, I'll tell you what, why she's called Karen. It's a really sweet story. But I, uh, I decided to put on a character and pretend like I had everything together in my life and that I was the biggest ladies man. I was, I was the most confident human being. And I walked into this audition, my shoulders were puffed out. And I think I even said something like, yeah, you know, i got girls calling me all the time, you know, but you know, whatever I kind of did that whole thing. And they chose me to be on the show. They aired that moment on national television. Oh uh, boy. A friend reached out and was like, I'm not going to be uh, calling you after this. Um, but they flew me to Los Angeles. Okay, I am so nervous to be on the show. There's just like a bunch of like really attractive people, and they all seem to be really confident. And I'm just like, "What am I doing here?" I I remember I'm on stage, and I've got this tight shirt on that I went and bought from Banana Republic or something when I was in Los Angeles, and i got sweaty armpits. Like my pits are just drenched in sweat. I'm standing behind stage and they're about to call my name. And I'm about to go up in front of 300 people and walk down the runway and stand. And I'm going to be told that I'm hot or not. And I just remember being like, sweating. And so I walk out and I've got this, this long little like runway thing that I do. And I get out and I kind of have this look and I'm nervous as hell. And all of a sudden I just get the, eh, the not sign. And there's like an actual hot or not sign above me. And I get the not sign, and you know, okay. So I leave, and they do these post interviews. And the guy before me had gotten not hot as well, and he's crying in his post interview, going like, "This was my dream." And he's, I'm standing behind him, watching him, thinking, "What are you talking about? This was, this was your dream?" Okay. And so they put me on my post interview, and I think I said something like, "I don't know." I was like something about how this was stupid, I made some weird fart noise. They put that in the show, they put all the things in the show, um, but hey, long story short, I get invited from the choreographer of that show. He was the one that choreographed our opening, we walked out on the show, and we had this opening number that we did, he choreographed it and he saw something in me and he, 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 he said, hey, you should come out to LA, you should be an actor you should, you should get into extra work. I can get you into an acting class, you know, maybe down the road, I can get you an agent. He's like, you can live with me. Oh boy. Yeah, so he had an an ulterior motive, he did. And it's something that I've never really shared publicly, but he definitely had an ulterior motive. Um, I think his intentions were partly pure, and partly, you know, self advantageous. and, and so he definitely wanted to hook up with me. Yeah.
0: And or at least watch you get out of the shower a few or times or at, something. Yes, yeah,
1: so he said I could I could stay with him. And, and he happened mm-hmm. to have two other guys from the RU Hot Show staying with him as well. And it was something that the first thought of that idea was like, no, nah, I'm good. So he called, right. he called me like four or five more times over the course of the next three or four months as I was winding down my junior year of university. And he called me the last time. He's like, Hey, this is the last time I'm going to ask. I just have a strong feeling that you should be in California. I just wanted to put it out there one more time. The summer is going to be a big summer out here. You can get on young, the restless and and passions as an extra. It's like, I can help get you your SAG card pretty quickly. There's a lot of opportunity out here. And so I, I, I heard him differently that time. And so I reached out to my mom and my dad and I said, I said, what do I do? What would you do? And my dad said, well, just go, go for the summer. Let's pack your car up. I'll drive out there with you and I'll fly home. He's like, just go. And I asked my grandma <clears throat> what I should do. <clears throat> and my grandmother said, look, university isn't going anywhere. This opportunity might never come back.
2: Go,
0: right,
1: go, go. go. Wow. So I went. go. And that's, so I went out there and I was incredibly nervous because I didn't know anybody, didn't know anybody in LA. And I knew I was going to be staying with this guy and I didn't know him. And I was a little nervous. Um, And I pretty quickly, I was my second day in LA, I was in an acting class. I was working as an extra on Young and the Restless and Passions very quickly. I, within a month and a half, I got my three SAG vouchers, so I was SAG eligible. I transferred from Red Lobster in, uh, in Noonan, Georgia, to the one on La Cienega in Wilshire. And I was living on, uh, I was staying in this, uh, his name is Tony Gonzalez. I was staying in his bedroom on the floor on a blow-up mattress. Um, and I had this apartment right off Hollywood Boulevard. And so I quickly realized, like, damn, there's, there's, I love LA. And I want to do this acting thing. And that's when it birthed. It didn't birth before that.
0: Wow. Wow. There's like a lot of resistance. There was a lot of signs for you not to do it. It's like the three days after with Bruce Weber. It's like, it was probably that feeling of like, this doesn't feel right. Like, um, that, that's, that's surprising. I don't remember that it, part of the story. It
1: felt right to go to LA. It yeah. It didn't feel right to I mean, I I think the the part that didn't feel right was as a younger man, I was I was tried to be taken. Basically, men tried to take advantage of me while I was in my late teens and early 20s. And I a lot of the times. I didn't necessarily know how to put up a boundary or to express myself and go, this doesn't feel right. And I'm not talking sexually, but they would they, they would like I remember they there was. Uh, a photographer that tried to get me to take off my clothes in one of the photo shoots. And I felt really uncomfortable. I think I was like 17 years old. And he's, he promised that he's like, I can get you these photos. We'll get you um, like a really great photo shoot all throughout Asia. And, and we can travel together and you make a lot of money, but you just, I just need to get, I need to get this particular shot. And at that moment I didn't know how to, I, I didn't, I didn't know how to be, strong enough to go, you're full of shit. You just want some photos of me in these risky positions. Um, Go fuck yourself, guy. And you know what? Don't do this to other young men. I didn't know how to do that. I I just kind of succumbed to it. I didn't have a sense of self. I didn't know how to defend myself in that. And so I took some risky photos, but I never showed anything. Thank God. And, and, and I remember taking some photos and my agent saw those photos. And she goes, hey, just so you know, don't take photos like that anymore. If someone asks, don't do that. Like we, we don't need those and you don't need that for yourself. And that right. was a moment where I'm like, oh, okay, I could, have, I could have learned from that. And then with this particular situation in L.A., I, I think that there was partly a, a situation where he So to so Tony, I'm very grateful for him. And again i've never shared this publicly when i'm I've always been very hesitant to share this side of it because it's tricky and you know it's not going to show me in in like the strongest light but i think being vulnerable is really important and you know this this idea of social media we, we can show the very polished versions of ourselves but we're not always polished
0: mm-hmm. i like that about your you and you share all kinds of things on your social media like when you're going through something physical or emotional or with losing that your your pup and then like work like you're i love that about you man and i think as men and thanks to stuff you're doing and justin baldoni your friend as well it's allowing men to be and this is a whole other topic obviously but allowing the vulnerability and the 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 reality and the truthfulness of men to to to, to be, allow yourself to be seen as n- more than just like, I am a king, I am this masculine God, and like, watch me roar, like that toxic masculinity is like, you are such an example. Um, and Justin, of course, as well, of a very masculine man, but that's also in touch and allow allows himself to be vulnerable and even allow the feminine side. Like I have a ton of feminine energy is creative an artist, musician. I like food. I like, like, uh, things that are feminine, like, but I'm a man. And so, um, I, I like that. I love that about your social media feed too, is like you shared some pretty vulnerable things. I don't think a lot of guys would.
1: Well, I think there's a platform. I think social media has a lot of blessings. So there's a lot of opportunity for, truth and i don't think we always take that route i think a lot of times self-aggrandizing and and, and, you know we get a lot of our approval from social media and so that's that's definitely a slippery slope um but the vulnerable i I think it's important to be vulnerable and i'm learning how to do that in my life and being vulnerable requires you to reveal aspects of yourself that that maybe weren't your your proudest moment or where you were too weak to stand up for yourself and or maybe you just didn't have the knowledge or awareness um, to, to to know yourself enough to sidestep a situation that was a little bit um, sketchy. And I think for me, the situation that brought me to LA, it was one that I think was really pure from Tony Gonzalez. It was really pure that he wanted, he saw something in me. And the second side is that he, you know, he mentioned many times, like, you know, if you ever... If you ever, you know, become gay, he's like, I want to be your first hookup. And I remember I was cooking in the kitchen. He kissed my shoulder once, and I'm like, what the hell? And one time he sat on the couch and he like sat close to me. He put his arm around me and was like, I don't know if he was making an advance. And I called my dad and I said, Dad, what do I do? And he said, Just keep your space. You don't have anywhere to go right now. You don't. You don't just. you You don't have anywhere else to live. Right. So just like protect yourself and be smart. Um, but there was an advance made on me at one point and it was a really confusing moment for me in my life. I was 21 years old and I had just gotten back from working at Red Lobster and it was just Tony and I in the house and he's like, you you look stressed from work. Let me just, let me give you a massage. And I'm like, okay, fine. Whatever. Give me a massage. And, and so. You know, we kind of moved to the couch. He's like, well, let's go over there in the, the bed. There's more space. He started to give me a massage. And, you know, I'm a little resistant, but like, okay, cool. Like my shoulder, I've got that thing there. He's like, digging that. That's cool. Thinking very, like, I'm not thinking anything is going to happen here. And as he slowly starts to massage, eventually I feel his penis on my back, his erect penis. And it was something that it screwed scared me it shocked me and because we're we're sexual animalistic creatures I was like starting to like feel things I'm like what is hat? get off of me and it was a moment that really as a young man I didn't know how to understand that moment and for a while there I'm like well I was really mad at him And I've never confronted him. I've never talked to him about this. I've never publicly spoken about this moment, but it was not, I I was, in in a sense, I was molested in that moment. And I did not know how to defend myself. And I carried that forward going, why did that move me? Why did I start to feel all those like arousal feelings?
2: Mm -hmm. Who
1: am I? And I thought for a long time, I'm like, Maybe I'm maybe I'm gay, maybe I'm not. Right. But we're sexual beings, and I was mm-hmm. put in a very precarious situation, and I was molested, and it was very confusing, and I didn't know how to understand it. And it took me a long time to confront that and unpack that, and just think that I was taken advantage of. This person with an ulterior motive took advantage of a young mind that didn't know how to defend himself, and and. I had to go through my process of forgiving this guy and keep, I'm pretty sure that probably happened to other young men and it's happened to other sure. young men. Sure, It still happens to young men. And it's, uh, for me, it was a moment that, you know, in the me too movement happened, I thought about sharing this moment, but I, I didn't have the courage. Right. I did not have the courage to stand up and say, this happened to me. And this is the person that did it. And that's not okay. And he better not fucking do that to anybody else.
0: Wow. And,
1: And so I think that there's moments that I've learned to I've had to unpack a lot of these moments and, you know, to go back to what you said about acting, acting is also a therapeutic vehicle. Yeah. And you know, also therapy has been a therapeutic vehicle. Um,
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: So long like that was just something that for some reason just came out now. And it was learning lessons for me to understand who, uh, who I am and how to actually share these things, because it's important for other young men that are going through this to know that they have a voice, they can defend themselves. They can stand up for themselves. They can, they can set up a, 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 a bound, a healthy boundary. Um, Mm -hmm. even if they don't have the emotional tools, like there, there is, there are people that they can talk to now. This is something that people can be vocal about now. And if something Mm -hmm. is happening to you in your life, express yourself, tell a friend, get yourself out of it. Um, talk about it. Yeah. But yeah, that's how I came to LA.
0: Wow. And then, but then you, thank you for sharing that, by the way, I'm sure that can help uh, a lot of young men and women that are thinking about going after something. A lot of people are going to watch this because they want to become actors too. And it's so important for them to know that, that you can say no and you can set up healthy boundaries and you can have a voice and, and to avoid those situations. And it's like, what other advice would you give someone, Travis, that's looking at you and thinking, Hey, I want to, cause you look at your IMDb here real quick and we'll come back to this. And you have 57, 53, acting credits it's like you're you've done some really cool things like of course you've done a bunch of hallmark things the last ship was a big run for you mm-hmm. um the uh, the scorpion the man but there's the heart of dixie which uh, a lot of people love that show a lot the transformers like to be a part of transformers with michael bay two and a half men csi miami the two broke girls, happy endings. They're Law and Order, Friday the Thirteenth, which which is probably is Meet the Spartans as an actual as like left. Uh, Veronica Mars. There's the, you have so The OC, Seventh Seventh Heaven, Malcolm in the Middle, Quintuplets, which was your first thing, right? Quintuplets was your first thing.
1: Um, that's so. Raven was my first thing.
0: Really, yeah. really.
1: So well, my that was my first guest star. My first, okay. My first thing co-star was mad tv
0: no kidding mad TV.
1: yeah so i got to be in front of a live audience in front of 300 people and i got to do this this ridiculously over the top scene um where i was a volleyball player um
0: which you came out and played volleyball with me and my son the other day That you was an awesome.
1: incredible volleyball player I've, i felt so out of place and like this one he's been playing it for a long time um,
0: but you picked it up really, really fast, man. And, and that's the
1: uh, thing, you know, and so when I first came out to LA and I started taking an acting class and I realized this is something that I'm very interested in doing, I love this, I went all in, I jumped in, I was in three classes a week. I, I was creating my own basically university course for myself. And I became like, like in volleyball, if I want to be good at volleyball, Cool. I'm going to throw myself into it and I'll, I'll see you in a month and let's play again in a month. And you'll see, you'll see, yeah. you'll,
0: uh, you'll see. Well, even in that 45 or the hour and a half we played the, the where you were at the very beginning of that time, we spent it was probably over an hour, hour and a half. And then where you were at the end, I would give you like a little tweak. I'm like, just, just, just adjust this or, and, and you would, you would, or soften this bit here. And then you're, you're obviously a very good, very good athlete and a very, uh, and so, so much energy you're like jumping this high out of the sand. Uh, what, let me, let me ask you, let me ask you this. Okay. So you, you did all you did. I still want to find out cause you left LA, you ran out of money. Right. And then you had to go back and then you did it again. Right. You didn't, that wasn't your. No, what do you mean? So when you, is that, when you, when you were there and you, with, how did you, didn't you have to go back to Georgia and then come back? Is that another friend of mine that told me their LA story? Yeah, that, that, I was, I was excited about a story oh, that, oh. that somebody else had told me that I thought was your story. So you, wait a second. So from, from there in, in his living room and and you're staying with him, with Tony, Tony.
1: Yep. Tony
0: how do you get out on your own and when does mad tv happen and when do you go like all right i'm on my own i can do this i
1: didn't get in so so basically i stayed there for three months and for like the last month and a half him and i didn't speak we didn't really even make eye contact it was just I, i i put up that protective boundary yeah and uh I waited until I found a situation where I I met someone that I wanted to live with. And my friend, Richard Chu, and I met in one of my acting classes, him and I became fast friends and then we moved into a really great apartment in Koreatown in September. So my fourth month in LA, I was on this really cool trajectory with great friends and I felt safe and, and I still stayed in touch with, so, so it's so complicated because, Tony had this tenacity. He's like, you have to work harder than everybody else in this business. You need to be on top of your agents. You need to be in all in every class you can get in because you have to, you have to set yourself apart from everybody. And so he had a lot of gifts that he gave me. Yet it was riddled with, with, with the, the other side of it. But he I actually reached out to him and I said, hey, I want to get an agent. And at six months, he uh, he reached out to one of his friends, and I, he set me up with an audition for an agent. So I got an agent after six months. Wow. And so after when I when I got the agent, they put me in their developmental uh, category, and I started doing um, student films. And then once I started booking a good amount of student films, they put me into auditioning for co-stars, and then I booked Mad TV. And then I they, they, they booked like a, an independent film with um, uh, Chris Pines. Uh, I remember he was, he was the lead in it and I played, I forgot who I played, it was so long ago, 2004. But I then started booking independent movies. And so then they started sending me out for guest stars. And that's when I really started to get into a run. And I got in a run of guest stars, you know, back to back to back to back. Then I landed Accepted, which was my first studio picture with Justin Long and, and um, Jonah Hill and Blake Lively and Kellen um, um, Lutz and like a lot of really amazing people were, were in that movie and that was 2005. And I was working at a restaurant and I, I quit working at a restaurant the moment I booked that film and made a declaration that I would never work at a restaurant again and I'd only support myself from acting. And so that was in 2005. And then, you know, I had many pockets where, of course, I didn't work and I was struggling for cash, but I I committed to that declaration and I've never worked in a restaurant since and I've only supported myself from acting. I've never had to go back to Georgia to like recoup, but I have borrowed, I have the privilege of being able, I borrowed money from my grandma, my grandpa once or twice. I'm pretty sure I borrowed money from my mom and dad a few times, always paid it back. I think I borrowed 5,000 bucks from an agent at one point. Um paid it back. So I've definitely had moments where I was struggling and I had people that believed in me that allowed me to keep going and that's where my privilege has come in because some mm-hmm. some people might not have the support system for that and they then have to quit or they have to leave or they have to go back to their hometown. and so I've been incredibly fortunate to have people surround me that believe in me that had the ability to assist me in the moments when I needed it most so I could stay in the game.
0: Mm, yeah, you. And is there one person that that stands out as somebody that like really, really cause believed in you? And in like, without that person, none of this would have happened. Is oh, there still, one person? My, my parents
1: and my grandparents, for sure. Yeah. For
0: sure. I love I love that your grandma's like the college isn't going anywhere, just go out there. I remembered who it is. It's actually Andrew Walker has a very similar because he was a football player in college and there were, he was modeling and my brain literally took your stories because he came out to LA and then did a thing and then ran out of money and then had to uh-huh. go back. But but his is the exact except for he had an injury from his football, but like your two stories literally did this in my brain. And and cuz very Do you know Andrew Walker?
1: worse i love andrew walker he's a good friend and i there's a lot of similarities we have and
0: i know yeah yeah, he he was on the show he came on uh maybe six months ago uh uh as as well that how do you know andrew
1: i met andrew i think i met andrew and cassandra through my buddy eugene and and so kevin so kevin peak do you know kevin peak uh-uh. So Kevin Peak was my one of my original roommates that stayed with me in that place in Hollywood with Tony Gonzalez that was also on the you Hot Show, and Kevin oh. Peake is still a friend of mine to this day. Wow! And I, I, I love him so much, and he's um he's doing he's an amazing businessman. He's doing great things. But I I think I may have met Andrew through through him or through Eugene, but um I'm, I'm okay. invested in in Andrew's juice company. And, oh. Yeah, so I've I've I linked up with him uh six years ago and joined his
0: did you find him like at yoga or something I always ran into him at yoga. I ran into you at that hot yoga as well Andrew always goes there too yeah okay so you're um you're in LA you're 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 by yourself now you found a roommate and you're starting to get some co-stars and was there was there a moment when you're like, I know you said you're never going to go back, but like, and then, and I acting, people don't understand this. Like it, it can be feast or fam We look at your IMDb Travis and you have 53, 53 credits, but what in over 20 years, is it about 20 years you've been out here? Maybe a little I'm, more.
1: Uh, I'm almost at 19.
0: Yeah. Same as me. Actually. I'm 18. My son, 17 and a half, 18. You're, and they don't understand. Yeah. It's like, you yeah. can look at it. You can look at an IMDb like yours and be like, this guy is a superstar and he's, uh, you know, a, a gajillionaire But what people don't understand is there's definitely ebbs and flows. And was there ever a time when you're just like, I, I think I've made a mistake. Like I am not supposed to be doing this. Was there ever been a time of that? Many. Yeah.
1: Many times.
0: Yeah, we well, were like. I remember I ran into you a few years ago, and you had you were off the last ship. I think I was doing wind calls of heart and some hallmark stuff, and I dropped by in my car, and you're like, bro, it's been a dry. It's been a really like I don't know what I'm doing at this moment do you remember that yeah, and I was like
1: yeah, of course I remember that I think I think part of this 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 is a tough business I mean look every business is tough this one particularly is uh, it, 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 it tests it, it tests the deepest part of you and it will it will it will bury you if you if you let it and I've had many times where I felt like I was in the process of you know being buried and I, I've gone through multiple times in my career where it was a dry spell for like like a year. Like I didn't work for a long chunk of time. And I think the hardest parts of me when I've always questioned my career are after a really big job that I've had. And I think it's just going to transition to something huge. And then it's, it's crickets. And in those moments, I then question everything. and then think, Oh, I thought this was the time that it was really going to begin to take off. This is the moment. And then I'm for, I, I in the past have been faced with the reality of, oh, I'm not working right now. And I'd had to come to terms with that of, oh, it's okay. It's, 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 a, it's a process of finding that next thing that's in right alignment with you, the next story that you want to tell, the next team that you're going to team up with that that's a good fit for you. There's a journey to, to, that I, it's been for me to get to my next like really great gig. And so sometimes I have to shake up my environment. And so after you and I spoke, actually, I went off to New York. I thought, I need to get out of L.A. for a second. I just need a new change. I need a new pulse. I need a new energy. And New York has this – New York is alive. And so I went to New York for the summer. That was the plan. I did not have a job. I was frustrated that I just finished the last ship. I went through pilot season and crickets – Um, Pilot season is when you audition for a bunch of different shows on network television, usually from like January to April. So the show ended in November of 2017. All of basically the first half of 2018 was crickets for me. And I was just really frustrated. I lost a little bit of my confidence and I was questioning what I was doing in this town and this business. And so I, I, let me shake it up. Let me go to a very creative place. Let me go to New York. And very quickly In New York, I felt I felt this rush of energy, and I felt like I was like standing up for myself when people would like bump me or say "fuck you" to me or whatever. Because in New York, you get confronted often; it just happens. New York taught me to stand up for myself and say "fuck off, guy," and not feel bad about it. Right. So very quickly, I found this like I found this like masculine part of myself that I thought (laughs) I lost, and not that you need to be, not that like the "fuck you" was masculine. I don't want to like get into the that.
0: Sure. I know what I know what you're saying. You found the grit and the energy of New York. And didn't you book like a massive show? Like right when you got there, you you're working with what's his name? What was it well, Show Alan you booked? This? So
1: what I did was I ended up, I would say two months into me being there, and I uh, I got this great audition and I had to go through the ringer to get the job, but I ended up getting the job and
0: what was it called again?
1: instinct on CBS. And Alan Cumming is one of the most generous, amazing, hilarious human beings I've ever met in my life. And I'm still friends with him to this day and yeah. i will continue to be uh, but i got to work on this amazing job and i felt like um michael roush was a showrunner and he was very collaborative he wanted to know my ideas cool. he, my energy my natural energy of who i am fit right into this show they needed whatever they were missing i felt like i was that thing and the season was just incredible ride for me and we unfortunately didn't get picked up for uh, another season but That moment for me, it revitalized me and it refocused Mm -hmm. me and it kept me me in my purpose and in the game. And so for me, I've I've had many moments where I've questioned my place in this business. And because of choices I've made to change up my environment or jump into a different class that scares me or try a new kind of therapy or maybe just do nothing at all and just like take time to go experience life, whatever it is. There's usually a way that has brought me, a route that's brought me back into um, experiencing this business in a way that's just more full and whole. And it's been the process for me. It's been, there. there is this ebb and this flow, but I've always trusted that this is where I'm supposed to be. And it's, and, and part of my process is sometimes questioning that and that's okay. That's normal. And just keep going forward.
0: Yeah. Is is that, what advice would you give someone who's thinking about starting out right now? Like say a young young guy or young woman that's just about to start, Uh, what advice would you give them? I mean, they can pull from this conversation, like their own advice, but what's something you would tell directly to them? You're about to start acting, do not do this or do this.
1: You know, I think if you're just about to start acting, I think you need to put yourself in a position where there is a lot of creativity around you, where there's a lot of work happening, whether that's theater, whether that's you know television or film, whatever it is, you need to be around it. Put yourself into the system. You can't try to make it living in Des Moines, uh, Iowa. Um, is Des Moines in Iowa? I don't know. I think so. There. Yeah,
0: it should if be. You're just like asked, there, and you're left. Like,
1: what do you say?
0: It sounds right. It sounds
1: right. You can't do it. You have to be there. You have to put yourself in the city. So come to LA, go to New York, go to Atlanta, go to Vancouver, go to the places where the business is really popping and and literally set down an anchor. Give yourself, I told myself when I came out to LA, I'm going to give myself a year. I'm going to make it in a year. I mean, how naive was I after a year went by and I was starting to really fall in love with this? with acting with with just LA I thought okay let me give myself 2 years 2 years went by and I said okay and cuz I still hadn't made it yet and I'm like okay 3 years I'll make it in 3 years and eventually I was like okay 5 I'm in 5 years and then by the time I got to 5 years I was like I'm going to stop I I want to do this clearly I don't need to keep giving myself these like these landmark moments to like keep me in the game this is what I want to do so my second piece of advice is if you want to do it then fucking do it you just have to do it that's it and if, if the door's open, well, the door's open. If they don't, then then it wasn't for you.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that, man. That's I, I love what like one thing that you did right after New York was you went to London to do that incredible Shakespeare. And you really put yourself like it sounds like this Tony guy like telling you to to put yourself in it and to really work hard and to do what other people aren't willing to do, like going to the Royal Shakespeare company, what you did that, that's a lot of people wouldn't be willing to do that. Tell us just about, tell us about that. Cause I was really compelled when you shared that with me about you going and And what was that like? And why'd you do that?
1: It's the athlete in me. It's, it's the competitor in me. I've it's, it's the athlete and the competitor in me. And it's something that is, I just have this desire to, um, I'm just I'm just usually I'm hungry for for growth and for um learning and for achievement and for expression. I'm just I'm I'm hungry for it. So for me the um, the show instinct had just ended and I have always been drawn to want to understand Shakespearean acting because it's if like if you can act in in um in the Shakespearean tongue, you can do anything. And so for right, me, right. I wanted to throw myself into this because it's, it's, you know, it's what you learn when you go to Juilliard, you train in the, with the greats, you train with the classic material. And I wanted to, I wanted to feel that I wanted to know that. And so I went to the source. I, I went to London and, you know, we actually visited where Shakespeare was born. And so I just wanted to go. It's the same thing that happened when I was getting, very much into understanding meditation. I wanted to go to the source. I went to India. I, I want to experience 10 days of silence. I went to this amazing ashram. I wanted to go to the source. It's the same advice I just gave to an actor. Go to where it's happening. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. So
1: I wanted to go learn Shakespeare, you know, where where all of it was was birthed. And I threw myself in this incredible program at Lambda and it was a summer long program and it was incredibly challenging. and um, and so much fun. And, uh, we played all these theater games and I got to perform two different plays, um, um, Midnight Summer's Dream. And I got to play, I got to, I got to play, um, Bottom, which is this wild, you know, over the top actor. He's He's a thespian. And I got to just play this incredible role and we got to perform it in front of the school. And, um, we ended up doing another play. I already forgot what it was, but it was really freaking intense. And I think I had to kill somebody and or something. Uh, but it was, it, was, I, it
0: was. I wonder if that grandiose character you had to play in bottom helped you with the carry character in you. Because like that, I mean, you can do that anyway, but you really embodied that in that scene at the the, the camping thing that it didn't, you know, that could be so cliche and you could have done that. But it felt like it was it was like I did that. So did the Shakespeare, the, the things you do, do you find it after that? Did you find it helped the work you were doing?
1: You know, I think it probably has to. I think for me, I like to make investments in myself. And, 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 work. Yeah. and so for me, I knew that was an investment. I don't know how it necessarily plays into the work going forward. But I know that that's a big it's a big deposit. For me. Yeah. That was a big creative deposit. You we studied so much about our voice, about articulation. You study this, you know, you, you really learn about your breath. You you really get in touch with your instincts and your body. And basically it was just like it was acting camp. Um yeah. Shakespearean acting camp. And so I'm sure that there is um I'm I'm sure that it has some resonance in my life now. I don't necessarily I can't give you pinpoint like a moment, but yeah, it lives in me, sure. I've always been the one that I one I always wanted to go to university and, and go through it like a three or four year program. I still have that desire. Now I would go to Juilliard for three years. Now that to me hmm. sounds like something that would just deepen, deepen me as a performer.
0: You should just apply and just do their audition and go.
1: Well, I did. I actually, I applied. This is, I guess that that's what I didn't share was that in a moment when I wasn't, after the last year, when I was frustrated with everything, I, I was going to apply to go to um, RADA in London. I was going to go to this three-year course. I'm like, you know what? If, if I'm not getting work right now, I'm going to go deep in my craft. And in, in three years, I'll gain 10 years in my, in my wow, yeah. ability. And so I, I went applied. And I was going to go audition in San Francisco to see if I got in. And I made the decision to do that. And as soon as I made that decision in my mind – I'm not kidding you. This was like a cinematic moment at the beach. There's, you know, all the birds and seagulls are flying around, the sun is setting, and I made the decision. I'm going to go do this. I talked to my dad. My dad's like, you know what, if that's what you want, go for it. And I was on the drive home to go apply. And I got a call from my manager. My manager said, hey, Uh, I got something to tell you. And and I was like, I got something to tell you first, here's what I'm doing. I'm going to go back to school. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to go get my degree at RADA. I'm going to blah, 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 blah. And he goes, Oh, that sounds great. Um, CBS just offered you a holding deal. Um, and so there was like, I I wanted to go and I ended up going a, a different route. Um, because there was an opportunity that came up in my career, and because I planted that seed that I want to go to university, that's why I went after filming Instinct. Um, I, 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 that seed was already planted for me, and I had to go live out that because I saw it in my mm. mind. And I had to go do it. So that was like the consolation prize. I couldn't go to university for three years, but I'm going to go for the summer.
0: What was the holding deal? I think you told me about that a little bit.
1: The holding deal, um, I got. I got really lucky, and I got a, a CBS put a holding deal on me. Uh it was actually in the interim of finding out if Instinct was gonna to go to another season.
0: Got it. Okay. And they
1: held me just for the for six months to let me know, like, hey, we're, we're just just so you know we want you for the next season, but we don't know if we're gonna go another season.
0: And so you couldn't audition for other things? You they held you. Pretty
1: much. So wow. that's why I had the time to go to,
0: to how cool. How and is that also in that time that you did that amazing road trip where you where you, you were going to come see us in Arrowhead and then it didn't work out, but then you, you were, you went on this three, two months, you were just in your car during COVID, like the peak of COVID. Yeah. And you would send like your, on your Instagram, you would, you, you find you jumping into this freezing Lake and then you would meet a stranger and then you would kind of visit with them for like, you had this crazy, like, well, you, I love these. I love this about you, Travis. And I, I, you know, this podcast is called the grass is greener with Paul green. And the, the point of it is that's from the quote, the grass is greener where you water it. And I like having people, I like having people on um, that, that drink water. I like having people on that water, the grass and nurture the things that they love. And, and, and you seem like so full of adventure and I love, I love all these little chapters. And so somebody, some people will look at your IMDb, or look at your Hallmark films, or your CBS, your TV shows, or, and and people have this sort of idea that it comes easy to to some people like us. And it's just like, oh, how lucky are they? But what I love is unpacking all these little moments. And like, even this road trip that you did is like, it's what gives you the, the, the stuff that allows you then when you're given a blank or a piece of paper with words on it, to bring all of the things that make up Travis into that, that, that those words and have it come to life in a way that people can connect to. Right. So tell us just a little bit about this road trip. And and if you want, just like, a, you can make it short or whatever, but what prompted it and it's after London and, and what did you do? So
1: you just brought up some, an interesting reflection. For the first 10 years I was in LA, I was so focused on learning to act and throwing myself into the 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 craft of it all i didn't go off and experience life that much and i i was so um i i just had i had such a strong focus that nothing was going to deter me from that and i had a teacher tell me once she's like you gotta go like also live your life like go out and experience things that's what's also going to help you become a great actor uh, and and I think after that, being in LA for ten years, I started to really live by that creed where I need to go, I need to go off and have experiences. I need to go, and I think there was a desire during COVID, where everything was shut down, no one knew what the heck was going to happen with the world. I was tired of being locked up in my apartment, and I just got this little puppy, Karen. I'm like, I'm going to go on a road trip, and so I had I had to burn off a bunch of miles in my car because my lease was ending soon. I had, I think 14,000 miles to burn off that I'd already prepaid for. So it's like, let's do this thing. And I love going on road trips because you're forced to be in the moment. You're forced to like, really, uh, you really have to to engage with the environment. And like, let's say, for example, you have this idea that you want to go to this particular, uh, campground. Cause it's, it looks so amazing online. You go there, you, as soon as you arrive, the feelings off, the vibe isn't there. Then
0: yeah. you go, oh yeah. no,
1: I'm gonna go somewhere else. You have to you have to to change your plans based upon what you're receiving in the moment. And you can on a road trip. There's no structure that's in place. And you, you're able to just bounce around and really find where you want to go based upon it's just really based upon what the hell is happening in the moment. So for me, that road trip was significant because I just kept saying yes. And an idea would pop in my head. I'm like, I need to go to the Catskills and see my friend Alan. So I went and then I'm like, you know what? I should drive to the the highest point in the UP uh, of Michigan. I've never done that. Okay. I was just able to listen to these ideas that came up and say yes. And that to me, that road trip was just inspired by this desire to go and have some freedom when most of the world was so constrained and locked indoors. And so I wanted I wanted out, and some people were like, "Hey, if COVID's out there. Be careful. Be safe." And I was. I, you could still travel. Like I, I was still incredibly safe. I wore my mask when I needed to, but I got to go stay with friends along the way and meet new friends. Stay at campgrounds. Stay, see the most beautiful locations in the United States and and have adventure after adventure. I, I was I was going for uh, basically two like two and a half months.
0: And how many miles did you put on your car? Uh,
1: Twelve thousand.
0: Yes. Yep. All right. And, K- and Karen came the whole time. Karen was with oh, you.
2: Oh, yeah. She dog.
0: sweet. Spoiled. spoiled little dog. So how does build on come into all this? Because because that's a way like you have such a side, you have this, you know, I want to just I want to touch on build on and I want to touch on your faith uh, before we wrap up here. Um, there's so many things we could talk about. We could talk about your meditation, your fitness routine, what you're eating now you know but i i i end up with especially actors that i love we end up talking quite a bit about acting because it's it's you know it's obviously what we do as a profession but there's so much to unpack inside of it but i i feel before we wrap up i really want to just understand your faith and i know you're uh i know you're in bahai faith but i also want to understand build on because i want to bring some awareness to build on right. um through my concerts this month on sundays i'm on. i'm yeah 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 I'm donating the money to, whether it's my project with Oliver that we go to build with you or something that you're doing. So because we have a new baby coming in a week, I'm not certain if in this first little six months, I'm going to want to travel like that. And, but, but if, if Oliver doesn't, and we don't go with you on the build, then I'm the money I raise is going to go for your build.
1: So just so you know, we're not going till Q3 or Q4 of 2022,
0: okay well q4 i probably could do it then you have you and oliver was into it oliver likes you for some reason i don't know he's like i don't know why but i mean
1: i don't know why either i'm very
0: yeah 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 yeah. he's like travis as travis van winkle i told him he's in the other room like i'm hopping in to have a chat with travis tell us how build on comes together um i've come to a bunch of your different fundraisers and i know justin's involved with you and emily and and different phases and, and just, and other like Scotty Thompson and a bunch yeah. of other actors from Sandy's class along the way has told me that they've gone and done builds with you and, and share with, can you share what that is a little bit? So, especially my listeners will be donating on Sundays, uh, through November, uh, through, for when I play music, that the tips will go hundred percent to, to that, this build on for this project. And hopefully I'm on it with you.
1: I love it so much that you're even doing that. And that, yeah, man. Like, the, I love talking about Build On. Build On is, so I'm a global ambassador for this organization. They've built 2,000 schools, over 2,000 schools in 30 years. They're incredibly reputable. They are highly ranked on Charity Navigator. So m- the money that you donate goes to the actual materials and supplies to build these schools. Um, they have, they're a two-fold organization. Um, so one, they have after-school programs in the United States. And, and, um, in the Bronx, in Detroit, in Oakland, and a few other cities and they inspire youth to be of service to their communities. And once this group of youth, they acquire a certain amount of community service hours, creating the vision that they want, whether that's painting murals, whether that's feeding the the homeless, whether that's performing for elders, whatever it is. Once they acquire a certain amount of community service hours, Build On takes these kids to then go build a school um in some of the poorest countries in the world that don't have access to education and what happens is you end up these these school building trips are all about cultural exchange it's all about empowerment it's all about you really get to understand each other you eat, you share meals you live under their roof you get to walk you get to walk their walk, and they get to understand who we are, and there's this beautiful exchange of culture that happens while you build the foundation of a school together. And it's it's a process. It's an experience that you can't help but feel. You just can't help but feel moved by. You just can't help but be in touch with humanity in in doing these things. So the, the build on is twofold. So one, it's this after school program that they have a 96% of the students that go through the program go off to college, um, which is just an amazing statistic. Um, And then they have a program where like you and me could go off and raise the money to go build a school, which is usually around $35,000. Most schools have an adult literacy program most uh, because most of the adults um, didn't get the chance to go to school when they were kids. And so they don't know how to read or write. And so each school will have an adult literacy program that, that offers the adults a chance to then receive just a basic education. So that's usually around 35K and, and anyone can do that. So you and a group of your closest friends can come together and throw a bunch of fundraisers, raise 35K and then you can venture off to Malawi or Senegal or Burkina Faso or Haiti or Nepal, Nicaragua or, um, um, you know, uh, these those are the host countries. Um, How many countries
0: have you built in? How many schools have you built?
1: I've built seven. I'm about to build my eighth in Senegal. And I was lucky enough to be able to, to, um, to facilitate some of these treks. So I went on my first trek in 2014 and fell in love with the program. And I called, I called build on and said, how do I, how do I do this? How do I lead treks? How do I make this a part of my life? and they let me learn about the program. I got to go um, co-lead a Trek with one of my best friends in the world, Skylar, who happened to be my first uh, Trek leader that I hadn't known before this. Um, And then I started to to help lead some Treks and I learned more about the organization. And I've gotten to build uh, three schools in Malawi. I've gotten to build a school in Senegal. I built a school in Nepal. I built a school in Haiti and I built a school in Nicaragua. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's, this organization has my heart and I tell everyone about it because it's an an experience that has forever changed me and introduced me to the most incredible people that I would never have had a chance to get to know and and live with and and share such intimate space with. And whenever it comes to education, we take it for granted. In America, you go to school because that's just what you do. But you go to some of these other countries, um, in the redeveloping world and education isn't something that's accessible. If it is, it's five kilometers away and you don't start actually going to school until you can track that far by yourself, which is usually like 10, 11 years old. So you don't start primary school until you're 11. And so you can just see the disparity in that and how it really can slow down the opportunity for prosperity. And so a lot of times the schools that are built in these particular communities are the first schools these communities have ever had and these are primary schools that we build equal enrollment for boys and girls usually they hire a woman foreman to oversee the project a group of student or a group of people like us will come in it's 10 days door to door you'll come in you'll live with you'll you'll live with the family you'll stay with the community for about 7 days you build the foundation of the school with them you and you 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 basically inspire each other and have this amazing experience and then you go off and you go home and they as a community finish building the school
0: oh so you just start the foundation and you bring in the materials and you and the money and okay got
1: it and and they're the ones that are they're doing all the work and it's it's for them and and you're you're just there to exchange culture to exchange inspiration to bring you know offer the the money that that will provide the materials and, and the supplies and and it's um it's it's an amazing organization. So right now, I'm actually leading a campaign. It's a global campaign. We're building seven schools in each of host on's, uh, uh, each of build on's host countries, and so I've got seven teams put together. We're going to raise under just around a, um, a quarter of a million dollars,
0: quarter million, yeah,
1: and we're going to go build a school, seven schools in uh, in twenty twenty two, and yeah, if you want to come with your son with Ali on this trek, please do all the money that you if that you want to raise um it can go into this campaign it's um i feel like covid shut everybody down for a while and made everyone really focus on how to survive and how to maintain their health and how to how to keep their own homes and lives afloat that are our mission globally um it kind of took a pause for a second and and now that COVID is becoming a thing that we are more acquainted with and we understand that we can be safe around and we're learning to hopefully make it part of the past, it's it's time to re-engage our efforts in bringing education um, to the places that need it most.
0: Well, I'll put a link in the show notes here, how they can join that campaign for that. And then also perhaps before the end of the month, you can come on my IG and we'll just do a quick uh, talk about build on specifically and yeah. then uh there's badges people can donate there but then we'll also just share a link so that people can get involved uh um and learn and it'll help my the people who come to my music understand a little bit more about it look um, them up buildon.org
1: they're, a, they're cool. an okay incredible organization you'll you'll fall in love with them in a second
0: and so how does your faith come into this like it was does uh when did you find uh, are you are you baha'i is that would you classify yourself as or classify
1: myself as a baha'i i I, i've always been a seeker Uh i was raised catholic went to see
0: what is what is baha'i
1: um baha'i is it's the most recent world religion um 1864 um uh, baha'u'llah is our main prophet and What I love about this, I don't like to even look at it like it's a religion. I don't like to see my, I don't, I don't consider myself a religious person, which is kind of the irony of it all. But the Baha'i faith is all about equality of men and women. It's about unity of all walks of life. It's about putting service to humanity at the center of your life. And it's about uniting science and religion. And you know, those are, those are two wings of a bird. They have to fly together. It's it's an it's it's basically it's a way of life that's all about community it's all about building the structure of the nucleus of a really um, um, um beautiful home that home then builds out into the community that community then builds out into the world so it starts it starts with you it starts with your family and then it grows out and i love that service is at the center of all of it so i was introduced um my good buddy justin him and his family are Baha'i. And, I've known Justin for almost twenty years now. For the first ten years, I didn't care. I didn't really. I knew that he was a Baha'i, but it, it was not something that I was ready to even ask or inquire about because so I was on my own journey. I studied Catholicism. I studied Christianity. I studied atheism. I studied Buddhism for a while. I, I was into the Hindu faith. I was into. I was agnostic. I was. I've kind of I've kind of bounced around and and wanted to learn about all religions and all faiths and all spirituality and when I was introduced to the Bahai faith it was something that just felt like it encapsulated all of it and it felt like it was this home that I all the beliefs that I have in my life well that was the center of of this faith and so it was something that just resonated so deeply with me and that inspired me to really start taking big steps in this was at a point in my life when I just needed to Center myself and so for a while I I stopped drinking alcohol I stopped doing um, cannabis I stopped for four years I stopped doing anything that would alter my mind and I wanted to get to know myself on such a deep level without anything and just just really being who I who I am and um, and that would have happened to be the time that coincided with my deep dive into the faith and um, and and service, and that's when that also build on and
0: service and service is at the heart of that. Uh, Kate wants to say hi to you. Come here. I wanted Kate to come in and and, and hi, the, look at uh, your
1: little beautiful belly. I know. Yeah, look at I this know. belly. Oh my gosh! How <laughs> I'm so excited it, to
0: pop. I know. Look almost. how beautiful my babe is. <laughs> oh my goodness. We we have a week to go. Yeah. We can, a week in a bit. And we get to meet <laughs> a week, a week and we get to meet this little dude. I'm so
1: excited and so wild. You know, I feel like I get to see you guys every so often. And that time that I came over to play volleyball with you, you gave me the news. And you'd think, since we don't hang out all the time, we're not like we we see each other, I don't know, five or six times times a year, which it should be more, but you told me the news and you surprised me and I was moved to tears for you guys. I was unbelievably happy that two people, two amazing, pure souls that you are, that are doing so much good things for the world that just have this natural light are gonna bring a human into the world. You are the kind of people that I think you you are so well suited to bring a a fresh, young uh, human into the world. I'm so excited for you guys.
0: Katie's done this pregnancy with such grace and ease, like no sickness, no, no grumpy hormonal outbursts at me. It's just been like a dream. I'm just like, how lucky am I? I knew I was lucky before, but this pregnancy can bring up a lot of stuff for, um, for a lot of people, but for Kate, she's just been surfing this, like a true Aussie man. Like like there's nothing to it. She's making it look so easy. I'm, I have to like, keep up to it.
1: He's like, oh, my back's hurting.
0: <laughs> we, we went to Coldplay. We went to Coldplay the other day and uh, and we were in traffic. Careful. You to to we were in traffic in, at the Hollywood Bowl. And uh-huh. I, had, I think I'd been there once for Fish a long time ago. They played with Maroon 5 and a bunch of people and IPs. And but, but I had tried to surprise her. It was a date night, like a baby moon before the baby comes and like little date nights. And I should have involved her in the parking part of it. <laughs> uh, can you hear us okay when the mic's this far away? yeah uh and so i'm like surprise and we like packed wine and packed like you know not like she can drink wine but she can have a sip of it and cheese and all these little treats for the hollywood bowl and we get over the 405 to where the 101 goes down and we're just stopped in traffic it's
1: two and a half hours to get to the hollywood bowl from out
0: because everyone's trying to get in there and then Mm. i'm like oh my goodness and and i'm thinking she'd have to pee every five minutes because she's got this baby like and this was only three weeks ago or a month ago. Yeah three weeks and i'm stressed because I, I don't want to miss Cool play because they're like the third or fourth act and uh, we're we're not moving we're just sitting on on barm or whatever that is and she's just happy as a clam and i'm like my back because <laughs> of stress because i'm not wanting and I, I finally have to tell her i'm like we're going there where all those people are and she's like you should have told me i would have figured out parking because she's the logistics <laughs> Anyway, yeah. I felt dumb complaining, but we ended up uh, about my back when she's, you know, but we ended up making it no problem. Yeah, it was all good. It was all fine. No need to stress. <laughs> and I'm a pretty chill cucumber, but she makes me chill. <laughs> anyway, I'll let you guys get back to it. But he wanted me to drop in and say hi. And I love you, Travis. You're
1: amazing. Nice you. And we'll see you soon. Bye.
0: Thanks, baby. How
1: beautiful.
0: Yeah, I I just wanted to show off this incredible woman and this incredible belly. All the time. I'm so lucky, man. So I'm so I'm so blessed to be in a relationship uh, like like this one that you know she contributes at such a high level, and she she you know she's she helps. She really she's she's so straight for me too. She's not my like my biggest super fan, meaning she like I got to work for the acknowledgements, which is actually good for my ego, meaning like she's, she makes me, I've got to do good work for her to be like, that was awesome. She's not, she's not like you're my, oh, Paul. She's not like bamboozled by my charm. She's like, I got to really be authentic and I got to do good work and I got to put the work in. And then she'll be like, you earned that. That was good. I'm bamboozled
1: by your charm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I am, I'm really, I'm, this is, this is really cool, man. I really wanted just to dive in. Um, and understand you know how and it seems to me like in the Baha'i faith if service is at the front of it then did that did that create the build on or were you already doing build on
1: Uh, it was a perfect storm I think that was something that started to really center me and start thinking about how I can contribute to humanity how Uh how can I help like how can I leave this place better than I found it it started really introducing those thoughts into my mind and and, and so it was all kind of, it was all part of this, this new movement, this, this, this new direction that was happening and birthing in my life and inside myself. Um, but I think build on came, came three years after I started to really investigate the faith. Uh,
2: Got
0: it's, it. all, it's all part of it. Yeah. I'm connected. Yeah. I know uh, Justin gave me a couple books on it, something from Paris, like a conversation in Paris and, Um, and it's, I've heard really, I've heard really beautiful things about it. Like I, in terms of it's like, love is at the the heart of it and can, and, uh, and acceptance, but also there's like, there's, there's, there's a cool, there's a mystical side to it too. That's like really, um, so let me ask you this, what are you most proud of Travis in your life?
1: What am I most proud of? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's.
2: i don't know paul uh,
1: what i'm most proud of um I don't know.
0: as long as you're not pulling scratching your hair i know you're not angry at me if you started going up here yeah. i'd be like oh i got him i got him angry i got him angry with that question
1: i don't know i mean what i'm most proud of um i don't know i i, I feel like i'm I, I don't. I, I think that there's a lot of things that are going through my mind. Um, I think I'm proud that I have a desire to to, to con- contribute in some bigger way. Like I'm really proud that that I'm genuinely inspired to want to get people engaged with Build On. Like that I'm I genuinely want to do good. Like I'm mm-hmm. proud of. I'm proud that that's something that's just a part of me. It's not, it's not an act. It's not something that I have to like work on. It's just, it's just in me. It's just who I am. And I, th- I think I'm really proud that that's, that's something that's, um, it's just something that's so authentic to me.
0: Mm. You're most, that, that you're inside that you, 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 you have this natural thing that just wants to give back and wants to do great things. And yeah, I I could see that. I could see that. I could see that being something in you that, I'm proud of you for that, too, buddy. Now, what what scares you?
1: I'm, like, trying to think, like, well, (laughs) it's much easier to have a sense of humor here and say, you know, things that really don't scare me. But I feel like you probably want the truth.
0: Yeah, Uh, please.
1: I mean, what what scares me? um, um, I think... I think some patterns of mine scare me. Some patterns of mine when it comes to situations, whether, you know, it's, it's just noticing that there are certain things that are somewhat habitual in my life that I go, oh, huh, is that me? Is that the situation? Or is that just, is that just who I am? It's the process of, of understanding some of these patterns in my life that maybe aren't, The most conducive to um like living in my greatest potential um so i think some of the things that scare me are are probably some of some some ways that i could okay it took me a second to get there i think what scares me the most is not honoring that voice inside of me that knows exactly what he wants
0: Mm, yeah i
1: would say that's probably the thing that scares me is when i know that there's this voice and i don't honor it
0: Right. right why
1: The why, like, why am I not honoring? That's, that's, I think what, you know, and if I continue to do that and not honor it, what's going on?
0: Mm. If it seems like you've learned from your, you know, those lessons in the past and you're, you're able to, you know, as you, you're, you're 39, right? 39. 39. Um, and that, that stuff that happened to you when you were younger, I mean, we all look back and be like, I should have said so like, somebody wanted to do something the other day, we were in a lineup and he was going to put the temperature gun, like at our forehead. And I like them to do it at my wrist just because I don't like the feeling of a gun to my head. And, but we were getting our CPR, Kate and I were getting our CPR certification and the paramedic, uh, and we, we had our, we were, we did the online then we actually had to go do the practical stuff with the dummies. Um, in for so we know infancy CPR and also for adults, but I think the there's these men no, you can't
1: call them dummies anymore.
0: Oh, I'm you kidding, can't. I'm kidding. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs>
2: please, 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 no! Uh,
0: the smarties, the smarties yeah. that we were doing the compressions on, but he put the gun to Kate's head first, and and some of you might be like Paul, you're being ridiculous, but I just on set they would always try to put it here, and I know there's a very important gland here called the pituitary gland, the pineal the pineal glands are there and maybe it does nothing, but there's a, there's a bit of a thing I have with having a gun to my head. So Kate, I don't know why I'm telling this. Cause it's a bit ridiculous, but Kate wanted him to do it here. And he, he said, I've been a paramedic for 27 years. And he just puts it right at her head. And then instead of me sort of being like, look, man, like I know, you know, we're on set for hundreds of days and they were able to get a reading of temperature here too. Why can't you just, I just kind of stepped in and let him do it here. And then afterwards I felt like not only did I not stand up for what I believed in in for my woman, but then after, even for myself, and it bugged me. I'm like, wait a minute. At the very least, I could have had a reasonable conversation. He might have a protocol he's following, but at least to be like, hey, and, and this is not a big example. No, no this is not is. the best example.
1: It, this, this is a small example. And If these moments add up over time, there's a pattern. And so I think that, is, that this is an amazing example of exactly
2: that
0: right but it's just like it's just those little things that bug me for days and he's like don't worry about it it's like probably not a big it's not a big deal but like she's pregnant i just want to stand up for my my woman and like and like myself even i'm like what i just let i i did a whole Three seasons or like two seasons during COVID, and I was like every time I'm like here, please, like not on not on my floor, and they would always pull the gun up to my head and I'd be like, (laughs) do my hands. But man, it's been great uh, talking to you. I I could talk to you for hours. I know you have an eleven o'clock here right away, and I uh, I'm just really glad um, that you came on uh, to my to my podcast, and I love introducing people to other folks that, that you think differently, man, and you the grass is greener where you water it see you, i think of you like you nurture the things you love and you take care of you know the grass isn't greener on the other side like it's not you know you're you're really somebody i find that 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 takes care of your your body but also your craft and the people you love and the, your your community is the world and you're 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 watering these you're building these schools and and i, I really wanted people to get to know you in that way.
1: Well, I love that. And I appreciate that. And I think it's uh, I've always been able to connect with you because I, I, I see a lot of I'm always inspired by how you live your life, how accountable you are for yourself, how you show up for your family, for your world. And I think just y- overall, how, how in touch with yourself you are. It's always been inspiring to me. So I think <clears throat> um, I just I'm just happy that I I get to know you. And that I get to hang out with you and that, that we get to be somehow intertwined in this crazy, crazy life.
0: Me too. Me too, man. So where, where can people find you? And what do you, you don't, you have a Hallmark movie coming out shortly.
1: I do December 19th. It's called cool. season to be Merry." It's with Rachel Lee cook. Fine. So that should be fun. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Travis Van Winkle um, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I'm TV dub on TikTok I'm trying to get my, my name back. Someone took my name. So I'm still trying to find out what I am on TikTok, but um, yeah.
0: And 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 the the third season of You is happening right now on Netflix.
1: Yeah, check it out. Um, wild ride.
0: It is a wild yeah. ride. I know it's it's an intense show. Um, obviously, the Build On project where they can donate, they can learn more about it, they can start their own build. Um, the and didn't you just recently do another Hallmark movie like last year too?
1: That was uh, Project Christmas Wish and Amanda Schull i don't
0: i don't know her my fans are fans oh, people you watch... should know
1: her she is insanely talented I, I loved working with her
0: really yeah how many how many hallmark movies have you done to this point quite a few right oh, three three and then lifetime too
1: you know i think years 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 ago I, i'd done some that i don't think they were on hallmark but they were kind of, maybe they were placed on hallmark after i'd done them
0: so i don't i can Independence or something. Yeah, so maybe, maybe yeah.
1: five or something like that.
0: Well, these uh, the fa- a lot of the people watching love Hallmark. That'll be watching this, um, and they'll be very happy to have gotten to know you. The three that I've done I did uh, one
1: with Bridget Regan, and that was one I did in 2017, and that was called. Oh, I already forgot the name of that one. <laughs> but that was with Bridget Re- uh, Bridget Regan. She's amazing. Um, and then Amanda Schul and then. Rachel Lee Cook. So I've definitely had I've had three incredible actresses to work with. And if you haven't seen their work, please go see.
0: Yeah. And and the, it's so cool that we get to do these. People love these Hallmark movies, especially at Christmas. We you know, it comes into lots of homes. Um, and, and so is there any other projects that are coming out for you that you want people to pay attention to in the next little bit?
1: You know, I think the one thing I want people to do is go watch you immediately. I think that's a okay. really great series. I had an incredible time filming that it's a great role and it's a wild ride. That's what I want to promote at the moment. Go see that.
0: Okay. Got it. I'm sure it's intense, man. It's like, it's like a little bit, what would you, what would you compare it to? It's a little bit like, what's that? Um...
1: It's kind of like Dexter where you're rooting for this guy that's doing terrible things, but you somehow, you somehow love him and root for him. And what's interesting about this show is um you hear the inner monologue of the main character. And so you get to know his thoughts and what he's thinking, what he's mm-hmm. feeling, and you can't help but empathize with him in some way. And it's such uh it's incredibly satirical as well. And so it pokes fun at all of us. And so you can't help but see yourself in it. So it's, yeah, that's it's wildly funny and twisted. And so you're it's, it's get, get ready for it. If you haven't seen the show, um, maybe read the cliff notes for season one and two, and then just <laughs> straight into season three
0: yeah 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 right when you come in here yeah. your first i think one of the first thing you say is like i do intermittent fasting. Oh, yeah I'm
1: like yeah i, I
0: of course. i'm proud of you man um and we'll we'll catch you live and in person hopefully we can go do the build together with ollie and q4 yeah we'll talk more
1: um, we'll talk more about that and i think definitely the um let's do an insta live um
0: yeah. we'll this about, month yeah yeah, because I want to, I want to make, I want to bring some more awareness to this charity that you're doing. And I love you, I love you, brother. I love
1: you, brother. So happy to be here today.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming, yes, sir. See, bye. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. That was my guest, Travis Van Winkle. I hope you got a lot out of that and you have a better understanding just to who he is and some of the and exposed to some of the things that he's passionate about and his new projects coming out. Of course, he's got a Hallmark movie for this Christmas that's, uh, coming out and just, and, and Travis, like I said, is one of those guys that when he's around, you're just laughing and, and it's such a joy to be his friend. And I figured that you all would really enjoy this conversation. So thank you for subscribing and remember until the next time we speak to be kind and gentle and tender and loving to yourself in your thoughts on purpose and to enjoy yourself. All right, we'll catch you real soon. Thanks for being here and uh, lots of love.
2: Lost my way. I forgot to pray for God to send me someone like you. I got off my knees, I began to see.